Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 4, Term 2. This is Lesson 17. We are beginning Chapter 15 today. Um, I've entitled it Judgment and Honor, and it is a very powerful chapter. And as you can see, the subheading says equal with God. This is what we're going to be looking at. Um, So this section of Scripture again immediately follows the healing of the invalid at the pool of Bethesda, which is at Jerusalem, where Jesus instructed the man to pick up his bed and walk on the Sabbath, and that was in John 5 eight. And as, as, as a result of this, remember again that it said there in verses 16 through 18, for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Didn't matter he had healed a person, that he had asked him to pick up his bed and go home, is why they want to kill him. Isn't this incredible? But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now. Notice he says, my father. All right? And I have been working. Verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now, where people say, well, Jesus never ever claimed to be God, there it is. Okay? It actually says in that verse... That this is the reason why the Jews wanted to kill him. Do you understand? They understood what he said. They understood the implications of what he said. He was making himself equal with God. So if anybody ever says, oh, it never says in the Bible that he was, take him to this verse, John chapter 5, verse 18, and say, there. There it is. For people who knew what he was saying, they recognized what he meant when he said what he said in verse 17. Amen? Alright, so to fully understand now why the Jews reacted in this way, we need to know the following. Now I'm going to give you a lot of information. Are you guys ready? Okay. (laughs) The Jews' view of God is best described in what R. Kent Hughes says in his commentary. Now, I want to preface it with this. I'm reading his commentary. I am not pulling his commentary apart. Okay, so understand that I'm just telling you what he has said. It gives a very good picture of something. You might not necessarily agree with everything he says, but you will get an idea of what the Jews are thinking in what he says. Are you with me? Okay. So, Arkent Hughes says, in the opening chapter of his prophecy, Ezekiel describes an approaching cloud. Fire flashes in it, and it is surrounded by a bright light. In the center of that cloud appears to be molten metal. As the cloud rushes towards him, Ezekiel sees that the molten metal is really four human images, each having four faces and four wings. Each image faces north, east, south, and west, so that as those living images move, they never need to turn because they are already facing in all directions. Next to these fantastic images, Ezekiel sees great amber-colored wheels rising into the heavens. The wheels have wheels within wheels. The inner wheel is set crosswise, and thus they have the same liberty of movement as the human images have visually. Even stranger, the rims of the wheels are full of eyes. So wherever the living images move, the wheels move. This is incredible, isn't it? Above this incredible sight, Ezekiel sees a crystal expanse, and above that is a sapphire throne. 
And on the throne sits a human form surrounded by a glowing rainbow. Ezekiel 1.1 says this blazing vision was a vision of God expressed in symbolic form. The living beings who move wherever they want are a picture of God's accomplishing His will. The eyes in the wheels and the rotating eyes represent His omniscience, His complete knowledge. The luminous expanse represents His ineffable glory. Excuse me. Okay. Hughes goes on to conclude, that passage in Ezekiel is one of the greatest foundational passages of Scripture concerning the doctrine of God and His character. Reverence for the divine name was so great among the Israelites that when the scribes came to it, they would wash their hands before writing it. And nothing was allowed to interrupt the writing of that name. If a king addressed them while they were writing the sacred name, they would not respond. Knowing this background, we understand why Jesus' claims were considered blasphemous. That's what I want to bring across. Okay, So, I, I, you may not agree with all the theology uh, behind what R. Kent Hughes was saying there. But what I want to do is give you an idea of what the Jews were thinking. And why this was such a blasphemous statement to them when Jesus made himself equal with God. Because that's how they see God. Do you get this now? Okay. And so now, following his claims in John 5.17, Jesus goes on to add fuel to the fire, so to speak, in the next discourse, which would enrage the Jews even more by turning their attention explicitly to himself. And as Leon Morris points out, it is therefore a passage of critical importance, the significance of which is not always realized. All right. In fact, J.C. Ryle says that nowhere else in the Gospels do we find our Lord making such a formal, systematic, orderly statement of his own unity with the Father, his divine commission and authority, and the proofs of his Messiahship, as we see in this discourse. All right, That's why I said this is a, just an incredible passage of Scripture we're about to embark on. It is generally believed believe that it was the claims made in this particular discourse that caused the Jews, hier- Jewish hierarchy to become ruthlessly and relentlessly hostile toward Jesus, and which would ultimately lead to his death, more accurately his murder. All right, So I, I, that's the reason why I said this is so important. This is what began this whole journey towards killing him. At the same time, it is also what Jesus says in this discourse that tells us that he is able to not only bring about the new birth, but also able to be the water of life, the living bread the good shepherd, and so on, making these scriptures, once again, extremely important. That being said, let's now look at these verses in some detail, beginning with John chapter 5 and verse 19, where it says, so now remember again, that the Jews had just understood that Jesus had made himself equal with God. Verse 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, so he knows what's going on. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, now this is an emphatic way of saying, I am telling you the truth, and thus you must hear and accept what I have to say. That's what is meant when he says, assuredly I say to you. He said, guys, you need to hear this, and you need to accept this. Because they were were coming to a place where he knew what was in their hearts. He knew that they were considering murdering him. And he knew the penalty of that was going to be damnation. Do you all understand? Okay, this this is why he's now turning to them, 
And he's saying, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Literally, he's saying on his own initiative. Okay, so the son will not do anything on his own initiative. But what he sees the father do. For whatever he, that is the father, does, the son also does in like manner. Now, this is the first statement that he makes. In other words, he's saying, he's showing them, and I'll go through all of this, a lot in here, okay? The first thing that he's letting them know is that anything that he does, anything that they're getting angry with him about doing, is coming from the Father. John MacArthur explains that in response to Jewish, to Jewish hostility at the implication of his assertions of equality with God, Jesus became even more fearless, forceful, and emphatic. Jesus essentially tied his activities of healing on the Sabbath directly to the Father. So there is this now, he's going to move in this direction. All right, because he needs to do this now. Because they, they have been rejecting him and rejecting him and rejecting him. He, he, he came to his own and they did not receive him. Okay, we're seeing this now. In other words, Jesus let the Jews know that this is precisely what the Father required to be done. And therefore, now this is important, their laws were actually in direct opposition to God and his will. Which would have made him even more angry. <laughs> Obviously, okay? Alright. But he's trying to teach him something here. And understand something. You know, you're going to find this in some, at some stage in your life. That as you're ministering to people, the more you are... Let me just use an example. Uh, uh, there was a point in time, you know, uh, when I was ministering. And there was a, a certain individual that I was counseling over something. And they just thought I had it in for them. I hadn't. I'll, I'll say things to people based on what God says, not on what I'm feeling. Do you understand? Even though my feelings are there, I'll put them aside. Do you understand? Okay, and you guys need to do the same thing. So this individual got it in their head that you know, I, was, I was against them or whatever. So whatever message I would preach, and I didn't even have them on my mind. Seriously. Okay, I'm preaching off my notes and off what God's you know, bringing to me. And they said, well, that was for me, wasn't it? It's like, oh, okay, if it was for you, take it. Oh, no. And, and they, 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 they came at it you know, from a point of, you're, you know, you're victimizing me from the pulpit kind of thing. And honestly, I didn't know what they were on about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and usually, you know what? That's what happens. See, the Word of God is meant to be for all of us. You know, we all walk away, and we should all walk away feeling like God has spoken to us as individuals. Not just as a group, but as an individual, you know. Um, and, but you see, this is the problem. When there is guilt there, people now start to see things differently. And what I want to say is, no matter what you say, no matter how much love you say it in, no matter how much you say it in a way that is non-judgmental and, and balanced and everything else, they'll still hear what they, what they want to hear. Do you, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And you can't get past that. You've just got to accept that as a fact of life and just move on which I had to do one day because you know they just anyway they moved on I moved on hallelujah so that's something that is happening here I believe everything that Jesus says instead of it being an explanation instead of it being something that would allow them to see him in the right light is going to cause them to see it in a different way okay alright it's going to have the opposite effect D.A. Carson explains that the thought runs like this. It is impossible for the son to take independent 
self-determined action that would set him over against the Father as another God. Perfect sonship involves perfect identity of will and action with the Father. Can I read that last bit again? Perfect sonship involves perfect identity of will and action with the Father. In other words, for him to be the perfect son, it means that he had to be in perfect harmony with the Father, not in opposition to him whatsoever. Amen? Okay. Therefore, as William MacDonald puts it, the Lord Jesus clearly intended the Jews to think of him as equal with God. He's revealing this to them. They need to know that God is in their midst. They had been prophesying this since Genesis. Do you know what I'm trying to say? This wasn't to rub it in their face. This was to say, boys, the prayer you've been praying, the prophecy that was coming for the longest time, everybody was waiting for this, is here. That's it. You know what I'm trying to say? So it wasn't like he was trying to make big of himself. He's saying, it worked. <laughs> I'm here. Let's get on with this. Get it? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, where was I? Okay. It would be absurd for a mere man to claim to do the very things which God himself does. Jesus claims to see what the Father is doing. In order to make such a claim, he must have continual access to the Father and complete knowledge of what is going on in heaven. Let me stop there for a minute. That, that is an incredible revelation. But of course, because he says, I only do what I see. What I see. He actually sees. And for him to see means that he's continually seeing into that spirit realm. He's continually seeing into whatever place he needs to see in order to know what needs to happen next. Isn't this incredible? This tells us something that, you know, foreknowledge of something shouldn't be a big deal for us. We should be constantly seeing ahead what's coming. We should have a what What happens right now in us is that we get a sense of things. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll get a bad feeling about something and we'll think, oh, I don't know, something is wrong here. Okay? That's the first step to, to getting to the place where you actually start seeing things. It is the first step of beginning to know things that you shouldn't know. How, how do you know that something is wrong? What evidence is that based on? Nothing. <laughs> okay? That's coming in here. From on the inside, you're starting to sense something is wrong. I don't know what it is, something is wrong. So that goes beyond intellect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Which means it's beyond your experience and your ability to know things. Get it? Are you getting this? Okay. So Jesus operated in that on the highest level. Are you with me now? All right. Not only so, but Jesus claims to do the very things which he sees the Father doing. So now we're going, not only that he's, is he able to see what the Father is doing, but he can replicate it. Now this is, okay, we're getting to the place where it's one thing to see, it's another thing to do. Because you require power to do. And if you, listen, actually let's finish this. Uh, this is certainly an assertion of his equality with God. He is omnipotent. Now, I think it's another quote that we're coming to that's going to deal with this. Yeah. What's of greatest importance in all this is that Jesus is implying that the only one who could do what the Father does, must be as great as the Father. Amen? See, this is something the Jews would never accept. They saw the miracles. Initially, they ooed and wowed and wow, and that's amazing. 
And then suddenly, it started bothering them. Because they wouldn't allow the miracles to be reconciled with who Jesus saying he was. Who, that he was who he was. Sorry. Do you all get that? I'm sorry. Okay. All right. So, the crowd would say, only God could do such things. See, the crowd was seeing that. The, the, the leaders were going, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe so. But remember, they're always looking to test him. So while the crowd gave glory to God, the leaders got jealous of him. Because he was, he was, he was taking more and more of the limelight, in a sense. You know, he was doing what the religious leaders should have been doing. See, all of this was possible. Remember the Old Testament. People were being healed. Remember Naaman was healed. and There was a whole bunch. You know, there was, a lot of things happened. People were raised from the dead. Uh, things happened in the Old Testament. So it wasn't something that these leaders weren't, not, weren't able to do. They just had got to a place where religion had become so strong and so uh, prominent in their, in their minds that they had, as Jesus said, you kind of forgot all the other stuff. The mercy and the justice and all of that is where the power is, by the way. Not in counting all your seeds and tithing. You know, you'll come in and whatever. <laughs> Do you know what I'm trying to say? That wasn't where the power was. This was where the power was. Amen? Let's move on. So, so, so it shouldn't have been a big thing for them to see Jesus doing all of these things. And then understanding that nobody in the past had done all of these things at once. There was isolated incidents... But never to this degree, this, you know, the amount of stuff that was going on. I mean, they were bringing piles of sick. Remember uh, at Peter's door? They brought all of them. The whole city is getting healed. Doesn't that tell us something? Okay. All right, moving on. This also explains why Jesus saw, never saw himself separate from the Father. Because they are, in fact, one in ways we can't even begin to imagine. J. Ramsey Michaels writes, His authority is absolute. Listen, not in spite of the fact that he does nothing by himself, but because of it. Did you understand that? In other words, since Jesus does nothing of himself, but everything according to God's perfect will, his authority is God's own authority, and therefore absolute in every sense of the word. Can I also add this? His power is the same. Listen to me. Since Jesus... see. In order for Jesus to do what he sees the Father doing, means that he's got the same power that the Father does. Get it? Otherwise, you can't do this. You know, you'd go look at God and go, yeah, right, like that's ever going to happen with me. <laughs> do you know what I'm trying to say? Because God says, look at me do this, and you go, mm-hmm, that's you, this is me. These are two different things. All right? Wasn't the case with Jesus. Jesus saw something happening, and he goes, okay, we'll do that. Hallelujah. Yeah? Okay. Accordingly, then, it can also be said that the authority which Jesus teaches, with which Jesus teaches and acts, is nothing less than the authority of God Himself. Amen. Further to all this, William Hendrickson says that the passage under discussion may be paraphrased as follows: Do you Jews accuse me of transgressing the Father's Sabbath ordinance and of blaspheming His name? By claiming equality with him. That charge is absurd. For in that case, the will of the Son would be separate, not merely distinct, from the will of the Father. And would even oppose the latter. But as a matter of fact, 
the son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the father doing. Amen? Okay, I think that was simple enough. That being the case, we can conclude then that all the opposition, this is where I want to lead to, all the opposition that was coming against the son was not from the father. Since Jesus was the will of God in action, but the devil himself and all those influenced by him, and why Jesus said to the religious leaders in John 8.44, down the bottom of the page, you are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Amen? Now, I need you to see something. I'm on page 4, at the bottom of page 4. Alright. I need you to see something here. A lot of times we miss this. We miss the fact that we just see the Jews opposing Jesus. We don't see what's behind the Jews that are opposing Jesus. And what is actually influencing the Jews, and the Jews allowing them to be influenced by this, that is opposing Jesus. So instead of, see, if, if we look at it on the surface... We see Jesus claiming one thing, and we see the Jews claiming something else. And it's just like, well, they have kind of, you know, both are claiming different things. You know, and so we go, well, you know, they're saying one thing, he's saying something else. I mean, it could be either way. But there's a difference. The difference is, what he claims, he does. <laughs> okay? He doesn't just make claims, verbal claims. If he says something, he backs it up with something. He'll say, yeah, he, with the signs following. He will heal someone. He'll raise somebody from the dead. Something will happen. So he's, he's not just saying, now boys, I have a fantastic argument. And so I want you to believe me because of my fantastic argument. Which is what a lot of the evangelism is about today. Okay, That's not Jesus. He says, this is what I say, watch what I do. Boom! And they go, whoa, okay, now we know. That's it, okay? You say you're Samson, you pick up a building, we know you're Samson. You say, Samson, you can't pick up you know, a toothpick? Well, there's, you know, we're questioning that now. You have a great argument, dude, but you can't do anything. Do you, do you understand? Okay, so this is where we, we, we need to see this. So whatever claims that Jesus made, he backed it up by his works. So when these Jews are opposing him, they are not opposing him. Listen now. They are opposing what he's doing. Do you understand? If what he is doing now, as a result of the power that is displayed in what he is doing, is coming from the Father, who are they opposing? The Father now. Get it? So the very people, the, the very person that they say that they're doing all this for, is the very person that they are coming against. Do you see that now? Okay? They say they're acting on behalf of the Father, and yet they're coming against the Father. That's what you need to see in this. Okay. If you don't see that, then you missed it. Okay. That's why Jesus turns around and says, This is my father. This is your father. You are of your father, the devil. He's saying, My father and your father are not the same. Hello. And he says, It deserves your father you want to do. All right. Continue on to John chapter 5, verse 20. Jesus now goes on to explain why the son has the ability to see what the father does. And as he takes the relationship between the father and the son a step further by saying now in John 5.20, that's at the top of page 5. For the father loves the son. The literal text, and hence what the Jews heard, was Jesus saying, 
the Father never ceases to love the Son. Now, this is really key, okay? Because it, it actually says something more than what our English translation says. And shows, or literally continually shows Him, that's the Son, all things that He, the Father Himself, does. And He, that's the Father, will show Him, the Son, greater works than these that you may marvel. Wow. Okay, so he's now taking it one step further. Notice the first thing he says, all this is happening because the Father loves the Son. Now, this is some, some key things. Let's, let's talk about this. In other words, it is because of the love that the Father has for the Son, that the Father shows the Son all things that he does. You getting this? So Jesus is now explaining why he is seeing all of these things. It's not because he's just privy to certain things because, well, you know, uh, this is a very spiritual person. It's, it's not anything like that. The Father loves... There's a relationship between him and the Father. Okay, he doesn't just have access to the Father because of some super spirituality. He's actually related to the Father. This is him and the Father. Okay, and because of this relationship, the Father shows him things. Yeah, are you getting this? Okay, because... This is one of the things that the Jews... See, Jesus is trying to explain. He's saying all of this to let the Jews know, guys, you're attacking someone the Father loves. That is not a good thing to do. <laughs> you, know? you need to love the people that the Father loves. And then the Father will love you as a result. Father's not going to be happy with you attacking the person that He loves. Getting? Okay. All right. I'm sorry, there's so much in here. I just need you to get all of this as we go. So, it is because, again, uh, because of the love the Father has for the Son, that the Father shows the Son all things. And as a result, then, the Son does all the things He sees the Father doing. You see, it's a two-way relationship. The Father says, I love you, Son. Let me show you something. Okay? And he's, the, fa- the Son says, Wow, thanks for showing me, Dad. I'll go do that. Because I love you. And that's obviously your will. That's what you want done. I'll get it done. Do you see that? Okay. All right. William MacDonald points out that it is a special mark of the father's love for his son that he shows him all things that he himself does. These things Jesus not only saw, he had the power to perform them as well. And we talked about that before. Amen? So he not only saw, but he had the power to do this. The consequence of this is that the Son, as a result of his obedience to the Father, acts in such a way as to reveal the Father in doing the Father's deeds and performing the Father's will. With Jesus himself saying to Philip, remember? He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Do you understand now what he's trying to get across to these Jews? He's saying you are seeing the Father at work. This God that you are been worshipping. This God that you understand from Ezekiel to be this incredible being. is right here. He's standing before you. And everything that is going on is a display of that power in motion to help you. See, it wasn't just power to say, look how powerful I am. It was all there to say, this, the amount of love I have, has power behind it. I love you. I will take care of you. Trust me. Get it? 
And we need to get that revelation and understand when we see that power of God, we need to understand that's who loves us. That's who loves you. And that love isn't without resource. Hallelujah. So you get in trouble. It's not a problem. He'll take care of it. He's got more than enough to look after it. But the problem is, will you believe? And these signs will follow those who my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Do you get this now? Amen? Alright, I've, I've just run out of time. We'll stop here and we'll pick it up right there in the next session. Take a break. <laughs>